right before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received power. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He was preparing them for a work to do, but he told them first to wait, to wait for the promised empowerment of this Holy Spirit. But who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is first seen in Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 2. Now, wherever Whitey Hogan is right now, Whitey Hogan is saying, yes, farmer finally gets back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over creation. That's the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And then verse 3 says, and God said, let there be light. And so right then, there's the Spirit of God and there's the Word of God, the speech of God simultaneously. Now, it takes us until John chapter 1 in the prologue of John's gospel when John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we learn that the Word of God is actually a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And we talked about Christ, and we talked about, we talk about him every week, but we talked about him last week, particularly with his ascension to the Father. But as Jesus is about to end his life on earth, it's before he takes his glorified body back to the presence of God the Father, he promises that he will send a comforter who will be another comforter, who will be with them as he has been with them. And Jesus makes it clear that the, that the breath of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God. And by the way, that word spirit in the, in the Bible in English can be translated wind or breath. The wind or spirit of God will come and be a comfort to you. Everything you read in the gospels about Jesus comforting and encouraging and teaching and rebuking his disciples and helping them to understand the things that they don't understand. Jesus says this other comforter, this other person of the Trinity, the spirit will be that same comfort. That is, when, so whenever you read in the scriptures about the, the comfort of Jesus to his disciples, know that that's a very similar thing. There's, a, there's actually a, a, we tend to think of comfort only in one small way, but I'm told that uh, somewhere um, in Europe, there is a tapestry of William the Conqueror and the caption under the, it, William has a spear and his men are in front of him. And the caption says, William comforts his troops. Sometimes comfort doesn't look very comfortable. As I'm looking at you with your mask on, as I'm trying to read the liturgy, now I know you glass wearers. Sometimes comfort doesn't look, but, but he is comforting us, Jesus says, just as he comforted his disciples. He is the comforter. Jesus tells us he's the teacher. He reminds us of the things that Jesus said, he tells us the things that Jesus wants us to know that we weren't yet prepared to hear. It's what he tells the disciples. He, he keeps us from error. He corrects us. He comforts us at times by showing us the error of our ways. And we, we all need to be aware and allow him to do that work. And yes, he empowers us. He empowers us to do the work that we are given to do. Once you begin to study the work of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, 
you begin to kind of go, you know, it's sort of like Jose Boada around Servants of Christ. It's like, is there anything Jose doesn't do at Servants of Christ? Is there anything the Holy Spirit does not do in the body of Christ and in the world? He, the Holy Spirit, I just made Jose seem like he's like the Holy Spirit. So, so you're welcome, Jose. After years of abuse, finally he gets a, a positive attaboy. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit that is so prevalent all the time in all the world in all these different ways. What doesn't he do? And yet, J.I. Packer, famous theologian, says that for most, or a lot of Christians at least, largely the Holy Spirit is the neglected member of the Trinity. We don't give a lot of attention to the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we ignore and underestimate the person of the Holy Spirit and his powerful work among us, the work he wants to do in our hearts and in the world. Is there any doubt why the church seems so anemic at times, powerless, no voice to speak into a troubled culture? Is it not because we're failing to understand and call upon the power of the Holy Spirit? Soaking prayer is something that's been a part of servants for quite a while. And Mary Langland and her team of prayer intercessors do an amazing job. But of course, with the pandemic, we've had to shift and make changes. There's actually an article that's being written, hopefully will be published, about the work of the soaking prayer via Zoom. But um, let me tell you, I have a personal testimony about that soaking prayer. Jody and I were together and um, we, it was one evening and I said, hey, guess what? It's time for soaking prayer. And I could tell she was like, what? What are you talking about? And I pulled up the iPad and, and we were led into this Zoom soaking prayer. You come in the first point, Mary Langland, there she is online welcoming us. And then Jose is transferring us into, a, into a, what was basically this room where there was music being played by Rick Gary online. And then we were ushered into a third room, breakout room, as you will, virtually, where we met with two prayer intercessors. And we began to say, Jody's not feeling well. And it's just going on and on. Would you pray for Jody? And they began to pray. And as the intercessors began to pray, they began to discern. And one of the intercessors spoke into the circumstances of Jody's work. Jody is a manager. She's, and, and like many managers and many companies all over the country, they've had to make hard decisions about employees. And Jody had to let 10 people go. Not her choice. She fought for every one of them. She cried over every one of them, I can tell you personally. And it weighed on her. It was painful to her. In the moment of that Zoom soaking prayer, Jody began to pray, and, and the intercessor began to pray for Jody and began to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit that God would release Jody from the pain and the turmoil and the suffering that she had done personally over the loss of these people's jobs. Instantaneously, Jody began to feel relief from her physical symptoms. You see, our mind and our body and our spirit, we're all connected. And as the Holy Spirit began to do this healing work of cutting Jody free from the, the pain and the things she was holding on to, the work of the Holy Spirit began to go and do. Now, of course, you know Jody. She's continued to minister to those employees that are no longer her employees, and they still love her, and they're still reaching out to her, and, and it's quite amazing. She's been invited to one of their weddings. Um, her Uber driver is going to take her. But um, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
That's the work he wants to do when we don't neglect him, when we, when we, we allow him to do the work in us. That's what he accomplishes. Can I tell you that um, we need more than ever the power, the teaching, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And here I'm not just talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the violence in our culture. If you've been on social media this weekend, you know the outcry of the injustice, the brutality of the murder, George Floyd and many other African-Americans in the last few months and years, and if we're honest, for, for decades. We need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We need the teaching of the Holy Spirit. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to speak and to talk and to act in such a way that we might glorify Jesus and care about the things he cares. Now, these are, these are complex issues. I don't mean to try to oversimplify them. But what I am suggesting is that if the church is going to be the church in this moment, more than ever we need to recognize and press into the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a book that I've been reading that I want to find a way to teach in the congregation. Some people have read it. It's called How to Think. And it's, a, it's written by a Christian who's in politics and journalism. And his name is Alan Jacobson. He, he talks about the, the fact that when we respond immediately to someone, that it is not our highest brain function that is responding. It, in fact, it is a lower brain function that is responding. And what he advocates is a five-minute rule. And I love this idea. That when someone says something to you as controversial and as counter to what you believe in that moment, that you take five minutes to listen, not just to the person, but to the person and then to the Holy Spirit. And begin to allow the Holy Spirit to decide how and what, if anything, you should say in response. Friends, that is what it looks like to begin to submit our lives to the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's get really practical about it. To be empowered is to be taught. To be comforted is to be willing to be corrected. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Jesus says, I have many more things to teach you, but you're not ready yet to receive them, he tells the disciples in John. But when the comforter comes, the paraclete, the helper, he will instruct you in these things. He'll protect you from error, he will remind you of the things I've said, and he will teach you the other things that I want to know. Now, before I go too far, I want to be clear. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he never speaks counter to Jesus, the person. He only says what he has been told to say by the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit always points back to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. We have to learn to listen. I can see my notes now that I put my glasses on. Listening to the Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit goes on. He is there to build up the church, whether we're gathered or dispersed. If there's one thing we've learned is that we are, we are used by the Lord in our being dispersed out. And how blessed I am to know that even if we can't gather together, although we're blessed that these, these folks, these 33 or so, are together today, we are also able to be the church dispersed 
but it's the Holy Spirit that's empowering us. It's the Holy Spirit that's working in us who gives us these gifts to allow us to work together. This does not happen without a team. This is not Alex. This is this team with a multitude of gifts that we're given being allowed, submitting to one another and allowing the Holy Spirit to use our gifts. Oh, what a gift Bill McRae is and organizing how we do this phase one. Oh, what a gift Emily Wilson is, David Lacanina is, Jamie Kirby is, Andrew Thompson is, Nikki Smith is, and on and on and on, Leanne Manley. This is the, this is the way the Spirit works in the church. He builds us up by a diversity of gifts. And there will be times where those gifts will be at, at odds with each other because the gifts that Tom's given are not the gifts that I'm given and vice versa. But by learning to listen and to work together, the church is built up. That is another work of the Holy Spirit. Again, what is the Holy Spirit not doing in God's church? Nothing that really counts. What can we accomplish apart from the Spirit? Nothing of true value. And you're saying, well, how does that help me in my everyday job? I thought you were going to tell me the Holy Spirit's going to empower me to do the work that I'm given to do. Well, he is. Remember, our, our, our calling is to be a witness in the world. And how do we witness in the world? Not primarily through the things we say, but how we live our life, how we do our job unto the Lord, bringing him glory. And how do you possibly do that? How do, you, how do you glorify God as a sales manager? How do you glorify God as a, as, a, as a landscape contracting manager? How do you glorify God in all the roles that you play as a nurse or as a, 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 a physician or a, a doctor or a, a retired person? You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Come Holy Spirit, empower me to do the work you've given me to do, whatever it is. It's all important to the Lord. It's all a way for us to bring glory to him. Now, what happens on the day of Pentecost? On the day of Pentecost, it's not like the Holy Spirit shows up for the very first time. The Holy Spirit has always been working. We already talked about it. Genesis 1, 2, the Holy Spirit is there, the Spirit of God. The Spirit comes on people in the Old Testament, back and forth. Jesus breathes on the disciples. Talk about a, a, a socially awkward moment. Jesus breathes on the disciples. I'm sorry, I gotta, gotta admit that, you know. Here we are, pandemic, and I'm talking about Jesus breathing on people. But when Jesus breathes on them, they receive the Holy Spirit. And they're filled with peace. And, and Jesus is working. But what happens on the day of Pentecost? The Spirit is made available to every believer. And it's never taken back. My poor dad lives in rural Georgia. He lives way out in the country on Brock Road in Carrollton, Georgia, and for the last, it feels like 10 years, my poor dad has wanted cable modem, high, high, high speed internet service. And all you get out in the podunks is DSL. And he hears his kids come and his grandkids come, and now he'll probably hear about his grand, great kid come, coming and talking about high speed internet and the wonders of Netflix and Hulu and all these things. And all my dad can do is struggle along with his DSL. It's not available in his area. The Holy Spirit is available at the day of Pentecost in the life of every man, woman, every young adult, anyone who calls on the power of the Spirit, he is there to fill us 
to empower us, to comfort us, and to teach us. That's the difference on the day of Pentecost. Why isn't it automatic? Why doesn't simply the power, the Spirit just overwhelm us? Well, you know this. Because he's a gentleman. Because God will not force himself on any of us. He waits to be asked to enter into our lives. That doesn't mean the Spirit is not present. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is oftentimes not allowed to be empowered to work in our lives for the glory of God and for the benefit of us who ask upon him. Right now, there are people, whether alive in this room or alive through the digital online, there are people right now that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your need for Jesus and your need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because you know that you've not been. Another work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world, not of sin, well, yes, of sin, but more importantly, of the need for Jesus. You know what the greatest sin is? To reject Jesus. To reject the one who God has brought. Paul says, continually ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. At the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus says, you evil, wicked fathers, Even you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven not give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? And so we ask. It's simple. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I wouldn't dare stand up here and preach a sermon without first saying, come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts and minds of your people. I'm not naive to think that my words can be effective to change your heart and lives if the Holy Spirit is not going before me and working in you already. And so it is with all the work we do. So today, in closing, do we understand that Jesus calls us to be his witnesses in the world? How we do our job and how we care for our family, how we seek justice around us? how we speak for the voiceless. This is our calling to be a witness to Christ in all aspects of our lives. But are we trying to do that in our own strength or are we calling upon the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Have you neglected to acknowledge all the work the Spirit is doing? It's, it's almost on every page if you really look at him. He is so prevalent. It starts by simply saying, come Holy Spirit. Just acknowledging him and allowing him to speak into your life. Being quiet in your soul and listening for what he wants to say. Gracious Holy Spirit, we give you thanks for your empowering presence in our lives. For the confidence you give us to live out a life that is spirit-led in difficult times and circumstances. Guide and strengthen us to do today, to do the work you've called us to do. To proclaim your marvelous light in dark times. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.